eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. The show is brought to you by uscfootball.com. In a minute, I'll be joined by Chris Trevino and Shotgun Spratling joining us uh, remotely from the East Coast. But we're just excited. We haven't done a live Tunnel Vision show, just regular Tunnel Vision, I think since the Heisman Trophy ceremony. So it's been a while since last year. USC started spring ball today, Sunday, and we're doing a special time. Try to do 7 p.m. on Sundays, but today we're doing a 5 p.m. show. Uh, but we want to be able to interact with you. We should be live on YouTube. Try to be back on Facebook again. Hopefully that's working. And also on Twitter. And if you put your live comments in any of those chat boxes, we should be able to put them up on the screen and answer any questions you have. I can give them a little star. And we'll try to get to them at the end of the show. And we're also going to try to take live calls. You can call, call 5124-TUNNEL. 5124-TUNNEL. And we'll put you in the queue. And uh, we'll try to get your calls later on in the show. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to talk about USC spring practice starting. We have um, the, some roster changes, some number updates. There's some weight and height stuff that's changed and all that. But pr spring practice started today. I'm going to play you guys uh, the little video that USC put out there. And then we'll come back with the whole crew and kind of talk about everything. So here's the video that USC just put out. I got it. Get you guys excited. Job's not done uh, out there, but I'm going to welcome in the crew. We got Shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino. Welcome, Shotgun. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. This uh, this earlier time slot is you know a normal time for me over here on the East Coast. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing, man? Good. The earlier time is my fault, actually. So if you have a problem with it, you can send that to my inbox. But if you love it, then I deserve all of the credit. <laughs> Ryan going 
callers on the first show back a little bit too big for your britches. We'll see if that you works think? out. Yeah, you're you're fired up. Uh, we will. Come we on, love Chris. Jo- you know Ryan. You know he's always going to go straight for straight for the uh, the the uh, star on top of the tree, even if uh, you haven't got any ornaments anywhere else. Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh trying to do that. We don't so Jack so Jack Smith, um, luckily we got him as an intern last year and he was young. He's still only a junior this year. Um, he will be back doing some of these shows. He will be back with instant analysis, coming out to practice and stuff. He's not very mobile right now, so we didn't get him out here. So we're gonna do our regular crew, uh, the Ryan Shotgun and uh Chris show, where I gotta I've I haven't hosted this show and run it and produced it for a while. So we'll, uh, hopefully I don't screw anything up. But yes. We're going to try to do it all. Uh, I will try to look at all your comments. If you put something funny, I'll try to put it up on the screen. And if you guys call in, 5124-TUNNEL, we'll try to uh, get to that as well. So, uh, but how you guys doing okay? Like, Shoddy, are you ready? I know I'm going to see you this week. Uh, USC, you know, we don't really talk about basketball, but we're going to go to the the Pac-12 basketball (laughs) tournament. So, you know, you're going to come out for that. Yeah, I'm coming out for a, a fun little uh, get out uh, trip where anytime I come out to the West Coast, I got to make it into a multiple sport event. So I'll be hitting up some USC football practice. I'll be going to the USC baseball game on Wednesday, thanks to USC basketball getting that first round by. And then we'll head out to Vegas for some basketball uh, for the rest of the weekend. So if you guys have any basketball, baseball or football questions, throw them in the chat. Uh, we'll try to answer those as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to it. It's been the first time since, you know, I haven't traveled since the the uh, Pac-12 championship game. So first time in a few months getting out of the house and uh, getting out to, to the West Coast. So excited to, to get back out and see, you know, a bunch of the new players and see what the, the new roster looks like. You know, a lot of the, the familiar faces are gone. So what yeah. do these new faces look like? What do these new body types look like? What are those, do those roster body types you know the height and waist do those match up with what we're seeing when we when we go out there at, at practice on tuesday wednesday 100 percent. and uh chris the best thing you gotta like make sure you go over to uscfootball.com for that you know they're 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 behind the show that's what we do chris does a great job with his ghost notes and you gotta check out the first practice which is gonna be on wednesday chris is there like two hours early so when the the you know when the first guy walks out of the tunnel he's ready taking notes looking at everybody Filming guys, checking out their body types, seeing what they're going. Th- those first ghost notes, after we've not seen these guys for a while, are going to be must-read. So, Chris, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to write or seeing you have to say about uh, what these guys look like on day one. Everything you just described, if I wasn't getting paid to do it, I would be arrested. <laughs> but I get paid to do it. So, yeah, ghost notes early in camps, spring, fall, are the best because literally everything is – a ghost note. It's a note. By the by the end of camp, you know, there's some things we see repetitively that I, you know, I, I let slide. You don't need to write that for the 90th time. But everything is a ghost note uh, on the first week, first practice. So should be a lot of words I'm uh, writing out for uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, we got a bunch of people in the uh, YouTube chat, so we appreciate that. And I think we're live on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. If you're there in the um, in the YouTube chat, let us know how does the audio sound. We sound okay. Is there, just let us know if there's any problems. I haven't seen anyone say anything, so we appreciate that. And like I said, if you have a question, just put question, and then I will try to start. Like say question, then whatever it is, and I will try to start and come back to it um, later on in the show. But guys, first we want to talk about that we did get. You know, practice started this morning. It was closed. We didn't get to see what was going on there. Just that little video. 
I don't. I haven't seen any other social media stuff. There might be some other stuff. I, I'll have to check Gavin's Instagram story or something to see if he posted anything. I'm sure he did. Um, they're going to do a practice on Tuesday, which will also be closed. So this is kind of a weird week. And then Wednesday will be the first practice we can go to and check out uh, the players and, and see you know what they look like and all that kind of stuff and then do interviews after practice. That's going to be like two weeks off because they're going to have spring break. Uh, they won't come back. We won't see them again until I think the following Tuesday. So uh, they'll get back into the swing of things. So it'll be about two weeks before. But so this will be the one chance we kind of get to see everyone um, uh, going in there. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think all the fans, hopefully you guys are too. And, uh, you know, we got to go wheeler dealer because he's, uh, he's saying something I should have said from the beginning, please smash that like button, get in there. If you're watching on YouTube live, thank you very much. If you're watching it later on too, like the video, that's awesome. It really helps us uh, grow. And if you're going to subscribe to our channel at inside Troy, uh, that helps as well. It's been growing and growing. We appreciate that. And you can mark that little bell for a notification. And uh, hopefully working back on Facebook again, we'll try to get you guys more involved and get some of your comments up there. Uh, so if you're in there, if you're on Facebook, if you're watching Facebook, yeah, put a comment in. I'd love to, uh, hopefully that works. We can kind of pull it up there and see, um, you know, what you guys are up to over there on Facebook as well. Um, well, let's let's get to some of these updates. Um, I, maybe we'll start with the players that are no longer on the roster and kind of get your thoughts on those. So um, we put in the war room a few weeks ago uh, that I got, I got, got a little information that um, Caden Steven, uh, the offensive lineman was no longer on the roster. Uh, I did find out he was still in school, but he's just no longer, he's not on the roster anymore. But when the roster came out uh, yesterday, uh, USC put out the official roster for spring. Two more names weren't on there. Uh, tight end Ethan Ray and uh, defensive back Adonis Ote. So, Shaka, maybe start with you. Any thoughts on um, you know some of the, the, the omissions from the roster? Yeah, and Caden Stefan was used so much at USC that Ryan doesn't even you know know how to pronounce his last oh, yeah. name correctly. So you, you know that tells you the the guys that that are left off. These are the type of guys you kind of wondered going to the last spring. Hey, would these guys be hanging around? Ethan Ray has been banged up his entire career. Never took the field at USC. Had multiple ACL injuries in high school. Uh, coming into USC, just never was able to get healthy. Uh, for the Trojans. And Donna said Ote had multiple injuries at USC as well. It was kind of a late pickup in the class. I believe that was the 2019 class when they picked up multiple DBs late in the class. And, you know, none of them have really panned out in that regard. So from Britton Allen to Kalana Makaula, uh, those guys that's kind of added late in the, in the, in the cycle, um, you know, none of them ended up panning out. And Adonis Ote was hanging around, hanging around. The fact that they kept him around, made me think, hey, maybe Dante Williams likes him and sees something, but then the fact that he never saw the field, never saw special teams action this season, like that tells you that those are the type of guys that you want them, you know, clear out. And as a, you know, as a, a first-year head coach, you're allowed to do that up to, I don't know the exact amount of time that a coach has that, but he can move guys and say, hey, you're not going to be able to play here, so we're going to move you. You're going to stay on scholarship, but we're going to move you off of the, the 85 counter limit so that's basically what USC was doing here what Lincoln Riley and the coaching staff were doing is saying hey you guys aren't going to have an opportunity to to make an impact for us so we're going to move on from you and uh, you can stay in school get your degree we want you to do that we want you to have that USC degree and then try to find somewhere else for, for you to play and I'm sure the coaching staff probably is like hey if you want me to I can reach out to so and so so and so to try to find you a place to land after you finish your degree uh, but you know it's just guys that they're processing through um, that you know weren't that weren't the staff's recruits 
guys that just had not seen the field or hadn't seen the field very much in their career at USC. So it's kind of clearing space for the coaches to have their own recruits, their own players coming in. Yeah. For my, I, you know, if you want to go over to uscfootball.com, my scholarship distribution chart, I have um, at 86. Now I'll have to, I'm going to double check it with all the names on there, but I believe everyone we have that we believe is on scholarship is, is on the official roster. So I think USC is at 86 right now. They're probably going to add a couple more players. There's probably a couple more players going to transfer out after um, after spring ball. So it'll get back down to 85. Has to get to 85 by the beginning of summer or when summer starts. And then, um, you know, that for the rest of the year, the roster has to be at that at, at 85. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on those guys or, or, any, or anything else you saw on the roster? Setting me up right after shotgun hits every point that he needed to hit. <laughs> no, I mean, shotgun really hit on it. Just like these three guys have battled injuries over multiple seasons with Ethan Ray and the knee injuries, which are unfortunate. And if you recall, Ethan Ray, you know, had that moment at the rising stars camp, I believe his junior year, maybe his sophomore year where he was just dominating everyone out there for that elite camp. So just, a, just, a, you know, it, it's tragic that, you know, he wasn't able to be that player out on that field, you know, with the multiple knee injuries, uh, really good kid though. And, you know, Kadem Steffens uh, had the back injury in high school, and that seemed to be bothering him throughout his career. And Donis Ote with the wrist injuries, I believe he had a couple surgeries on it, and he always seemed to have his his arm or his wrist bandaged up. At, at least he was practicing. Uh, I will give him that. When when he was banged up, he was still out there practicing with the, with a club on his hand. So just guys who have battled multiple, like seemed like the similar same injury over and over for multiple years, and. You know, the, the the only silver lining is, you know, they didn't play a lot, but, you know, you hope they leave with their degree. I know Adonis Ote posted about him getting his degree, so at least they're not leaving, you know, empty-handed. They will have a US degree, USC degree on the way out, which is, you know, not a bad thing to have. Yeah, I need to update that. I think I put uh, Ote in the uh, transfer list, but he should be in, like, the graduating, like, kind of a retirement sort of thing. So I think Caden was the same way. For sure. Um, and, and between those three guys, I just looked it up. Uh, Adonis Ote played 58 career snaps in four years that he was in, in uniform. Um, and Kate and Stefan played two this year. That's it. So 60 snaps between the three of them. Um, and, you know, two of the guys have been on, on campus for, you know, multiple years or, or all of them have been on campus multiple years. Stefan yeah. had been on there for two, I believe it was. Adonis for four. Ethan Ray for four. So, you know, it, it, that's just what it is. Just injuries. Uh, that you know kept those guys from ever seeing the field. So the coaching staff is looking to get their own guys in, looking to get guys that think can contribute. Let's uh, talk about some position changes because we've had a few of those. The biggest one, um, and we had uh, Eddie and Orange. What are the crew's thoughts on the Italian Stallion moving to tight end H-back? So uh, Carson and what do you like to say, Chris? Tabarucci. But we don't, I don't think that's know how that pronounced. he's – Italian. <laughs> it's just this uh, thing that people I can't say. wait to ask him his first question. Are you Italian? <laughs> Are there Italians in Utah? I need to know. But yes, yeah. Carson Tabarucci moving from inside linebacker to kind of a tight end. Uh, I assume H back kind of position. Obviously, Carson's not the doesn't have that classic tight end height of six foot four, six foot five. He's about six foot two, two hundred and forty, thirty pounds. So molds more with better with an H back position, you know, kind of that hybrid role where you can move in the backfield, you miss blocking, uh, passing, catching the ball, uh, in the flat, stuff like that. So that is obviously a big position that Lincoln Riley likes to use. And Carson Tabarucci has been talked about being on the offensive side of the ball since he arrived 
at USC. You know, a guy who played running back in high school, was a pretty good running back, pretty good multi-sport athlete out of Park City, Utah. I believe that's where he's from. But so this is, isn't a huge surprise when it when you think of, you know, his ability to play on the offensive side of the ball. I actually like the move. I don't think he was going to get much playing time at inside linebacker this year. You know, he missed all of last season, redshirting with that undisclosed injury. When he got to Utah, because remember he transferred in after enrolling early at Utah, he was still learning the position. You know, when you're a multi-sport athlete or a dual, uh, both sides of the ball in high school, you're mainly focusing on the offensive side of the ball. So he was still kind of learning the inside linebacker position. So missing a whole year of development that he could have had on the scout team, you know, that kind of sets him back defensively. So I, I think he'll have a better chance of playing early on the offensive side of the ball with that tight end room being as thin as it is. And it's going to get a little bit better with Kate Eldridge in the summer coming in and possibly a shiny five-star Deuce Robinson. We'll have to see Ooh. about that. But right now, Soon, they right? need some bodies. Yeah, I think April, April 1 is or the, uh, the deadline for him. But right now, they're pretty thin at tight end with Jude Wolf on the men with another foot injury. So you only really have two scholarship players there in uh, Lake McCree and Malcolm Epps. Now you got Carson who can come in, give you some reps, and you know learn that H-back position. Yeah. And uh, a couple other ones, Corey Foreman, Devin Tompkins, and Solomon Tulele Pupu Solo. They're now listed as defensive ends or defensive linemen uh, instead of rush ends. And then Sam Green, we thought it was going to be a defensive end. He's he's now listed as a rush end. So uh, maybe any thoughts on those guys, Shotgun? I mean, this is a product of Tulele Pupu was, you know, hogging all the snaps at defensive line. Uh, so Solomon Tulele Pupu was already playing that. He was already playing the defensive line spot. You know, they had moved him last year and moved him in different spots. Um, and he was banged up a little bit, but he was the primary backup to Tuli, Tuli, Tuli Pelotu. So, you know, that's the spot they're looking at here. And that's going to be an intriguing position battle. Now, if those are the guys that are kind of in the mix there, um, you know, who else is in the mix? Uh, you know, are there any move? Is there any movement during spring camp? You know, do they throw those three guys in there to begin with and say, okay, let's see how they can do? And if they don't like the production in the first couple of weeks of camp, do they then move someone else, you know, and, and try to, you know, lock up the Russian spot with, with someone else uh, and move Solomon Bird to the defense. You know, there's a lot of different things that could be done there. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. That's what's intriguing there. On the Carson Tabarachi, uh, you know, uh, move, it tells me that the coaching staff, Lincoln Riley in particular, felt like he didn't have the position he wanted on the offensive side. He didn't have that true H back on the offensive side, which is kind of a fullback and also a tight end at the same time. You know, so USC not only is moving someone to that position this year in, in uh, Tabarachi, but they're also bringing in Kate Eldridge to specifically play that position as a tight end and not a true, you know, his, his size, his measurables are not, you know, a Deuce Robinson style uh, measurables. You know, it's much different looking guy. So it's kind of two different positions that H back and tight end. It kind of flows in between. Um, and I, I think that, that maybe Lincoln Riley was looking for that on the roster last year and didn't have it. So maybe there was some stuff that he wanted to do with, you know, an H back, a fullback, a lead blocker, getting up in the hole type of thing out of the, you know, some of the pistol alignments because they put the tight end in the backfield multiple times last year. You know, maybe that's something that we'll see out of Tabarachi or Kate Eldridge going forward. If one of those guys can, you know, kind of lock down, hey, I can do exactly what you need from me from this spot. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. We we just got a question. For, and we did have a couple people on Facebook comment and say fight on. So if you guys have some questions on Facebook, welcome back. I'm glad we get to do these again. We didn't schedule a Facebook Live. We just kind of went live to our Facebook page, the uscfootball.com 24-7 Sports USC Trojans page. So we'll try to schedule it for next time. Uh, but if you are just happen to be over on Facebook and you're watching live, we appreciate that. Uh, but we have some new numbers for the incoming players, the the early enrollees. There's 10 of those, I believe, and then 11 transfers. Um, and we had uh, Paul say, is Taka Curtis on campus? And what are you hearing about him so far? Uh, we put a little, I put a little blurb in the war room about what Benny Wiley had to say about him. I got to talk to Benny Wiley, the strength and conditioning coach, earlier in the week. So make sure you go check that out. But yeah, he's on campus and he's uh, part of that group. So I'll go over the the, the numbers real quick. Running back Marshawn Lloyd is wearing number zero. Uh, Zach Branch, the wide receiver, is wearing number one. Uh, defensive lineman Anthony Lucas, a transfer to Texas A&M, he's wearing number six. Uh, Jamil Muhammad, the rush end, uh, he's wearing number 10. Inside linebacker Mason Cobb wearing 13. Uh, wide receiver Dorian Singer wearing 15. Cornerback Christian Roland Wallace wearing 17. Uh, running back Quentin Jorner wearing 21. Wide receiver Makai Lemon, 24. DB Christian Pierce, 24. Uh, linebacker Taka Curtis, you mentioned uh, he's wearing number 25. That's a kind of an interesting one. Uh, running back uh, Marion Peterson wearing 27. Uh, Malachi Crawford, defensive back, wearing 29. Eddie Kapitsky, Kaplitsky, um, the punter from ASU, he's wearing 37. He's the ASU guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Russian Sam Green is number 44. Offensive lineman Jarrett Kingston wearing 52. Offensive lineman Michael uh, Tarquins wearing 71. And offensive lineman Elijah Page wearing 72. And then Kyan Bars, the defensive lineman transfer from Arizona. I think you got to see him in the video, actually. Uh, wearing 92. Um, so, I don't know. That's a, kind of a long list of numbers. But any thoughts on any of the numbers, guys? Six I mean, on the defensive line. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Kayvon Thibodeau kind of thing. I mean, you hope Single he digit, has that I, kind of a yeah. shotgun going. I mean, I mean, I would like to see if you, if you're going single digits on the uh, defensive line, I want it to be the big boys. And let's let's see if Anthony Lucas, if they try to bulk him up and you know put him at nose tackle or something. But you know that I wanted Brandon Peely to be wearing a you know a single digit. You know, I want the you know the 330 pound guy, but that's just me. But yeah, it it looks sleek coming off the edge if you can get the if you're an elite pass rusher. So we'll see what Anthony Lucas can do in six. Zero for Marshawn Lloyd is also interesting. I forgot, when the, not that I forgot, but the zero wasn't heavily featured on the offensive side of the ball. Terrell Bynum wore number zero, but didn't get a ton of action. So we'll see. I think we'll see the zero a lot more with Marshawn Lloyd claiming that number. Zach Branch at one just feels right. It feels like Zach Branch and one go together perfectly uh, in that regard. And 24 on Makai Lemon feels weird. Doesn't feel like a wide receiver number. Yeah, that, yeah, that is one a, looks that yeah. one feels a little weird. And also twenty five on Tackett Curtis. Uh, you know, I feel like those are those are uh, kind of temporary numbers. Hey, come into camp, prove yourself, and you know, someone else exits the exits the program. Maybe you can move up to a different number. Maybe you can switch something out. You're, this is what you're getting given right now. Go prove yourself, and you can get something else. Or for Tack and Curtis, I know a lot of people are going, maybe they'll just change one of those numbers on his jersey the next time they give him a different number. Maybe they'll just change that first one from a two to a five. I don't know. Uh, let's get a little a little bit ahead of someone who has not stepped on 
campus for well i guess he has actually practiced now uh this yeah. today but besides that uh you know he ha- hasn't done anything um he hasn't made a tackle in a game yet any of those type things so a little bit early but 25 does look weird on a on a wide receiver on a linebacker excuse me and i completely agree with you chris that one looks exactly uh is on the right person with zachariah branch having perfect it. I, I i'm probably misquoting him here but i think it was lane kiffin that said something like you can't wear number one unless you're going to be a first round pick. Wow. Yeah. And so basically, and like, cause if you remember the, when Lane Kiffin came in as head coach, he took the number one away from both, uh, from, I believe it was TJ Bryant and Devon Flournoy and said, Hey, this has got to be earned. Um, you got to be a dude to wear number one, basically, because he remembered Mike Williams wearing number one. So, you know, you know that you look for someone to come in and be an instant impact playmaker so I think Zachariah Branch is the, the perfect guy to, to, to come in and wear that as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, I, and just going back to Tackett really quick, I know a lot of people are talking about that 55, but I actually think the number he wants is four. That's the number he wore in high school. Yeah. Obviously, Max Williams has occupied the four spot, so he might have to wait a year before he can claim that, uh, that single-digit linebacker number. And Bob Ellis says old-school linebacker uh, Mike Curtis wore number 25, so – little bit hey, of guys have worn numbers before, but it <laughs> yeah. doesn't make it doesn't make me like that. That looks like a linebacker number right there. What nice. a great sentence. Guys have worn numbers. before. <laughs> Put it on a T-shirt. Guys have. Um, and, you know, one of the other things, guys, the uh, you know, to what looking forward to spring ball stuff. Um, we're going to get out there, like I said, on Wednesday um, before we jump into kind of like, you know, just like some general thoughts of what we're kind of look for when you're out here. Shotgun, you'll be out here. Uh, the uh, dead period ended. So there was a big official visit weekend. Um, Chris uh, posted a bunch of updates on the peristyle over at uscfootball.com. If you're a subscriber, you can read all that. If not, get in there. You get 30% off or you can sign up for a dollar to get your subscription. But one of the big names, and uh, they just, US, I, no, um, this was this came from uh, Steve Whitfong. He posted uh, a photo of uh, the five-star quarterback, Dylan Royola from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, in, uh, in a number one jersey, full-on helmet, uniform, uh, in the Coliseum with Lincoln Riley. So I'm putting that up there for you guys. Tell me but that's not a hard photo. It's a pretty tough photo, man. <laughs> Tell me that's not a hard photo. <laughs> you can't. No. You can't do it. Any any thoughts, guys, on the, some of the, the, the stuff going on there? I mean, it was an opportunity. The, the dead period club, um, ended, so things opened back up, and USC was quick to get a bunch of guys on campus. And when you bring in the number one player, the number one quarterback, uh, that's a, that's a big time move because you want to make an impact immediately. You want to try to get those type of guys in as, as many times as possible. So to get them in, you know, as soon as the dead period ends, I think it really says something about USC's potential chances with uh, Dylan Riola. Yeah. And we'll break it down all of it on composite two star recruits later in the week, but USC did have a lot of bodies on campus from Friday through Sunday and Dylan Rayola, obviously the headliner of those visitors, but they also had some big key guys on campus. And that's a testament to the recruiting staff getting to work early. I feel like past or uh, when the dead period was lifted in the past, it was kind of a slow build for, for the recruiting staffs, but this one felt like right out of the gates, we're hitting it hard. We're building off the momentum that we had with the 2023 class and, you know, winning 11 games Heisman, all that. We're building on the momentum. Let's hit the ground running for this new cycle 2024 and get all those guys on campus. Because 
there was two big tournaments going on in the region. I was at one of them. Gerard was at the other one. Also five stars only. Jarrett was with me at my tournament in Santa Ana. So there are a lot of teams from out of state coming coming to California, Southern California, uh, to compete in these two events. So USC took full advantage of that and had a bunch of teams on campus. Yeah. And uh, it, sh- it should okay. be noted that, that Steve Wilfong also put in a crystal ball for uh, USC for Dylan Rail as well. Today. Oh, I didn't see that. We got a Fong Bong. Fong Bong for mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that one either. Um, Parastel's probably going crazy off the Fong Bong right now. I gotta, I gotta just go see it. <laughs> I gotta go see it because they love a good Fong Bong over there on the Parastel. Very nice. And also, uh, you know, um, we have a VIP piece up by Blair Angulo. So he gives his thoughts on, uh, on Dylan Rayola and the potential of USC being there. So, hey, if you're not a subscriber, now's the time. Yeah, it's the best time to do it going into spring football. Uh, so jump in there and it uh, should be a lot of fun. Are we going to have a sale soon? Uh, we, I think we will. Um, in a, like probably after the spring break, I think we're going to have one. So, um, the get in there. but it's always a sale. It's always 30. If you're not signed up before it's 30% off and you can get a dollar, uh, you get a month for a buck. So just try it out, put a dollar in there and you can try out the whole site for a month and you get a bunch of war rooms and a lot of good stuff. We've had some really good war rooms lately. Uh, people have been commenting like, this is the best one ever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the, the war room feature has been going on. I think it's about 20 years now. And a lot of sites used to do it. Most sites did it, and then they kind of stopped because it's kind of hard to keep it going. But we've kept it going for all these years. And uh, Gerard kind of compiles all of our stuff together. So every Friday morning, if you're on uscfootball.com, that's where everyone's going. They want to check out our notes. Um, you know, this week, like I said, I had an exclusive one-on-one interview with uh, uh, Benny Wiley, the strength and conditioning coach. We a lot of recruiting information in there. A lot of good stuff. We've had a lot of good NIL stuff. I was at a bunch of those NIL events. Um, so lots of good stuff in there. So make sure you go check it out. Um, all right. Well, I want to say, so spring ball did start today. Like we said, we can't see it and stuff. And a couple of the main storylines that you guys are, are looking forward to. I think for me, I mean, I want to see, you know, what this offensive line looks like. You bring in, you know, three transfers, uh, you lose a couple of veterans, you, know, you have Justin Dietrich, the captain kind of moving over. Um, so I want to kind of see what. Um, you know, that looks like, and you know, everything on the defensive side, just kind of want to see where, where guys are, um, how they look, uh, you know, they, you know, what is, you know, the guys like, you know, uh, Taka Curtis and Zach branch, like they look like college athletes already just looking at pictures, but you know, how do they perform on the field? So kind of stuff like that, but any, any things that you guys are, I want to take all of them, but just anything you guys are looking forward to Maybe We'll start with you shotgun. Well, Chris is looking up, uh, I'm putting up a fong bong because he's looking up the fong bong. Yeah, someone asked in the chat, like, what's Uh, he doing over there? He's looking up the fong bong. That's what I want to see Zachariah Branch in pads. You know, I've seen him in person in you know, in in shorts and t shirts and 707 and stuff, but I've never seen him actually in pads in person. So I'm looking forward to that. But the the inside linebacker position, I think it's uh, the most intriguing position. Um, I I think that you know, kind of seeing where everyone kind of gets placed. Where's Anthony Lucas on the D line? Is he inside? Is he on the edge? Is he at rush in? How do they move him around? Those type of things. I really wish you know we could see a full practice just to be able to see. Okay, I want to see what Mason Cobb looks like moving around. How is that going to battle go with Shane Lee and Eric Gentry and Tacker Curtis and Rajon Davis? I think inside linebacker will be absolutely fascinating this spring going into this fall as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think that in, if no one completely distinguishes themselves, 
then that could be a position where you see some good rotation at if they want to do that. You know, they rotated this past year with Raylan Goforth, Shane Lee, and Eric Gentry. I could see it being a, a position where the, you have a first team and a second team, and you flip-flop them, you move different guys in and out. I, it could be an interesting position throughout the season, and especially the way they got banged up this year, it's going to be a lot better for USC to have the depth they have now. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it just all comes down to those pieces with the defensive front. What are they going to get out of the rush end position, which was inconsistent last season, that that position needs to be better overall. And there's going to be a lot of competition for that rush end spot, even you know with moving Corey Foreman down to the defensive line. You have Jamil Muhammad, who is my pick to be that starter. You have Ramil, Romello Height coming back. Solomon Bird is back. You've got two freshmen coming in in the summer that are going to compete for that job. You have Jack Sullivan, who could, you know, probably play that Nick Figueroa role and move between both positions. Russian is very, very interesting to me, but it all comes down to defense as well. Just where does Lucas and Bars and Foreman and Teleni and Stanley Tauafu, where do they all fit with this defensive front, which needs to be better, especially in the middle? You know, they still, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but they still need some more help through the portal. They need a hit. And, you know, we have to see what comes out of the portal after the spring when that second window comes up. But they really need to shore up that interior. And we're going to see what that looks like. Earl Barquette, uh, he's the guy who, you know, going into his redshirt season, redshirt senior season, could be a guy that steps up. You know, you have Kobe Pepe, Jamar Sakona, and just a note on Pepe, he is still listed on the roster, even though he entered the transfer portal He's been seen in the background of some, you know, workout clips. Seems like he's still sticking around, at least for spring, uh, after entering the portal. He might officially be out. Haven't been able to confirm that yet, but nice to have that big body, 300 pounds, six foot three back. So we'll see if those guys can make that step with Sakona and Pepe. And then Colin Mobley out of the DMV, who also entered the portal and came back out of the portal. So some interesting options uh, at defensive tackle, but they need some of those guys to step up in addition to the veterans that they hope to get out of the portal on the second round to help shore up that uh, that interior. But yeah, I just want to see how Lucas and Bars and Foreman and Solomon Tuiapupu, how they all uh, fit and, me- and mesh with that, and especially with the linebackers too. Gentry is obviously going to be down for that ankle surgery they had to go through, so we're not going to really see where he's going to play until the fall and the summer. So, But that means plenty of reps for Tackett Curtis and Rajon Davis and Mason Cobb and Shane Lee to kind of battle and, and see how they all fit together. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get some, you know, Chocolate will be out here. We'll get some really good photos. And uh, I love I love being able to put up photos of the guys we're talking about. I only loaded a few for this first uh, first tunnel vision back, but we'll get a bunch of photos in there so we can kind of, you can kind of see what these guys look like in the spring. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure you go check all that stuff out. Um Anything else you guys want to get to? I thought we'd get to some questions. We I know we have a call. We have a caller that's going to call in, so we're going to try that out. And uh, one thing, thing one of the things that I'm looking forward to in the spring is seeing where exactly the offensive linemen line up. You know, we have our idea and where we think they are going to be, but where are the swing guys going to be? Where are they spending the majority of their time, at least starting out with? Where's Mason Murphy at? You know, is Jonah Monheim actually at right guard? You know, those type of things are going to be interesting. And we talked about the numbers, uh, and we didn't mention that Michael Tarquin is going to be wearing his father-in-law's number. 
Tony Baselli. Uh, so that's going to be kind of cool to see, yeah. uh, you know, one of the, you know, obviously the, one of the recruiting factors, you know, to be able to follow in his father-in-law's footsteps. Now he gets a chance to wear his number at USC as too. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I put that, someone in the chat mentioned that. So I put that up there, that comment up there a while back, but yeah, thanks for yeah, Tony Baselli. Uh, good stuff. Why don't we, let's see if this is going to work. Uh, we got a live caller. Let's uh, bring in our buddy, uh, Dave from Iowa, I think is on the line. Dave, how you doing, man? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, can you guys hear me? I can hear you. What's going on? Awesome. Awesome. Hey, well, so as usual, Dave from Iowa once again. Um, I just got two questions. Um, in terms of the defensive line, how concerned are you guys that only one guy is north of 300 pounds? And second, how do you guys expect Corey Foreman to succeed at the, on the defensive line when he's only 235 pounds? At this point, he's already lost 30 pounds in college, and he already has that kind of Taylor Mays um, stature and build. So just curious, how, how do you see him succeeding um, when you're going against linemen that are with over 315, 320 pounds? Um, let's start. Well, why don't we start with the Thanks, Dave, for the, I mean, uh, for the call there. Uh, Sean, do you want to, you want to give me a Corey Foreman thought first and then we'll get to some of the other guys. I mean, uh, Corey Foreman, I'm still a guy I'm really high on. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he should have had his hand on the ground the entire time. I know he has the athleticism to play the rush-in position. But I think you need to make him uh, – force him to have this leverage because that's when he gets in trouble is when he stands up a little bit too much and coming out of that rush-in position. So this hand on the ground, you force him to be down low and uh, you have better leverage. So I think it's going to be a positive move for him. The weight, I'm, I, you know, I, I see it on the website. But, again, like I said, I want to see what these statures, if they line up with what we see on the website. Um, and, you know, what's the reason for a slim down? When we talked to him for the first time, if, if he did lose uh, a significant amount of weight, why? It was, was there something going on? Is there something we should be concerned about with his health? Uh, you know, those type of things. You know, we can look at a, at a, at a roster and go, why are they doing this? But we got to ask some people some questions to find out the answers uh, for some of them. So Corey Foreman, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like and you know where his mind is at the first time we get the chance to talk to him as well. You know, is he ready to take that next step forward? He obviously has the talent, but you know he's got to be able to be consistent. That's been the thing that every coach that's had him so far has said he needs more consistency. Yeah. Any thoughts, Chris? I, for one, am super excited to handle Corey Foreman weight questions for the next. Oh, I don't know, four months. It's going to be Alex Grinch should be fired. Corey Foreman is 235 pounds. Those are the top two 
off-season topics that we're going to have to go through for an entire off-season as we move to the fall season. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you why Corey Foreman is listed at 235 pounds. I don't know why he's listed at 235 pounds. I will say being the biggest, baddest guy in terms of size isn't Corey Foreman's game. Corey Foreman is a defensive end, and Corey Foreman has elite speed and quickness and quick twitch, quick twitch ability uh, at the snap. That is what made him so good in high school. Obviously, when you saw him as a freshman, he looked like an SEC guy already. Obviously, that helped as well when you're at the high school rank. But Corey Foreman's game is built around being a quick monster off the line of scrimmage. Now, he is really, really strong. I will I will give him that. And Shotgun's probably seen it. I've definitely seen it when we used to get to be able to watch one-on-ones. He would have moments where he would just catch a guy with one arm and just bully him off the line. We've seen that before. He is strong. He is very strong. Now, does he lose a lot of that strength at going from 245 to 235? I can't tell you the – I can't – give you the answer on that but speed is what Corey Foreman's strength is as a pass rusher and I do agree with shotgun and saying I do think he will be better suited with his hand in the ground instead of playing sort of that you know hybrid outside linebacker kind of spot so I do I'm excited I really like this move I really want to see what it looks like moving forward and to see if you can get more of that potential out of Corey Foreman because this feels like the season, it's if it's going to happen, it's going to happen for Corey going to this junior year for that that talent to spool out of him, and it, it ends up with plays on the field. So yeah, I I'm just prepared for all the weight questions that we'll get on this show for for years. And also, and years to come. you got you got to think about this is Alex Grinch's defense, where the defensive line they want to be quick twitch, they want to be upfield really quickly. So maybe this is a move to try to even unlock his potentially even more in this defense per se. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to put up a comment. Let's see if that comes up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew said, I love that Corey's still here. I'm sure there were tons of guys calling him, telling him we can unlock you, but no dude has stayed Trojan, but no, yeah, he's Trojan through and through. So yeah, I think, I think that's probably fair. No, um, they would never do that. That would be tampering, Ryan. Oh, they can't do that. Yeah. We, we don't see that. Uh, let's get to some questions. We have some YouTube and Facebook ones. Start off with um, Scott. Let me move this down a little bit. Question for Shoddy. Uh, I guess this amounts to both a football and baseball question. What do you think the Trojans' chances are of getting Deuce Robinson? Uh, you know, that's probably more of a question for Chris. He's the recruiting guy now with a two-star uh, podcast. But I, yeah. I still think USC is in a great podcast. position. In a great position with Deuce Robinson. Um, and the fact that you're seeing someone like Austin O'Byrne is uh, excelling on the baseball field after spending time um, with football all season, I think that's a, a good, um, you know, just a good game plan for Deuce Robinson to look at and say, okay, I can see a freshman coming in and contributing on the baseball team already. You know, he, he, he told me this past fall that, you know, he talked with Kyler Murray when Kyler Murray was at Oklahoma when he was on a, re- a recruiting visit to Oklahoma about the, you know, the challenges of being a dual sport player and doing it for Lincoln Riley. So I, I think that there are multiple things that are going in USC's favor. And I think the fact that, you know, he gets a taste of what the, what the baseball team is looking like uh, is a positive as well. Going forward. Yeah. 
Shotgun, what position does he play? A Deuce Robinson? Yeah. Is he a pitcher? Deuce Robinson's an outfielder. Outfielder, oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's the the comp is Aaron Judge, and he's very much in the similar you know build. Um, and he has that similar light tower power for him or Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, you know, both those guys outfielders that you know not quite the smoothest throw on the outfield, but have good arms as well. Uh, so you know, just because the the big frame, it takes a long wind up. But yeah, he's got he the and the most impressive thing is that every time he showed up at showcases for baseball. You know, he's excelled, you know, against elite level arms. And that's the question, you know, and uh, Gerard's mentioned this on the two-star podcast, but it's not about whether he gets drafted in the first three rounds. It's whether he gets first three round money because Mm -hmm. the MLB draft is not, you know, you can shift your money around the teams can. So he can get drafted in the 14th round. He could draft in the 19th round. But if a team shifts enough money to give him first, second, third round money, that's when the allure of him playing, you know, if they give him that type of money, they're probably going to be giving him that money with the assurance that, hey, you're not going to play football. You're going to be baseball solely. So, you know, he's talked about he wants to still, even if he gets goes to the draft and gets drafted, he still wants to play football. But I don't know that an MLB team is going to, you know, put a million dollars on the line unless they get the assurance that, hey, you know, you're going to be locked in and be in baseball full time because a lot of teams are scared away by the Kyler Murray situation that happened with the Oakland Athletics. Draft him in the top 10, and hey, you basically lose your top 10 pick because yeah. he goes to, you know, he goes and wins the Heisman in the fall, and you no longer see him on the baseball field ever again. Yeah. We got another. Oh, do you have something? Chris? I was going to say, Shotgun, I really appreciate you for not taking that troll opportunity and saying tight end. Oh. When I asked you what Deuce Robinson's position was. Nice. Oh, gotcha. That was very good. Scuba G Ninja. That's a pretty cool name. Uh, it looks like it's got like the Sarkit, Starkist uh, tuna logo on there. Uh, your guys' opinion. This defense drastically improves and helps put this team in the playoffs? Two question marks. I think it's hard to say without ever seeing a practice or yeah. seeing even what the guys look like in person. I wouldn't say drastically improved. I would say moderately improved, which yeah. – is enough to get you where you want to go. They need to be better in a lot of aspects. And if they are, the defense will be uh, improved a lot. I wouldn't say drastically improved, but if you clean up a lot of things like tackling, getting some interior pass rush from the middle, and also stopping them, stopping the run game in the middle as well, you will see a lot better results. You'll see, Better secondary play. If the linebackers, you know, are, are if we we think we we expect them to be better athletically, that is an improvement. Then you'll see an improvement across the board as well. So they're just upgrading. We we feel like they're upgrading at least on paper, a bunch of different spots. Then I think you can you can assume that the defense will take a step forward. I don't know if it's going to be a massive jump forward, but even if you just take a good size step forward, this defense will be a lot better. And you don't need to be elite with that offense on the other side of the ball. You just need to be – you just can't screw things up all the time. Yeah. If they tackle better consistently, it'll be a much better defense. Now, the question for me is, you know, if they improve on their yardage and those type of things, force some more punts, but they're not getting as many turnovers, is this defense going to be giving up the same amount of points? Um, so, you know, the, the, the turnovers really negated a ton 
of opportunities for uh, opposing offenses this season. Can they continue that? It's hard. You know, there's there's always the turnover luck. It's something that they preach, and it's something that you know some teams are much better at than others. But you know, you can the the variance in the number of turnovers can be you know five to ten a year, even with really good defenses. So you know, if they're 10, 10 turnovers less this season, how many how much how much different is the defense then? So they, they'll have to tackle a but a lot better to be able to slow some drives down. That's the thing you want to see. Can you stop get guys off the field? Uh, it doesn't matter which way, but if you tackle better, that gives you a better better opportunity to do it in every way. Yeah. I remember like the Pete Carroll defenses towards the end just weren't creating the same amount of turnovers. And I remember Pete Carroll talking about, you know, the practice they would do, you had the lawnmower thing where you're trying to like rip the ball out when the guy's being tackled. And sometimes that happens. I mean, the turnover luck, I think is a real thing. Uh, we got a Facebook question. So it's great to be back on Facebook. So thank you for tuning in there. Uh, Gary, can you compare Austin Jones and Marshawn Lynch? Uh, who do you think will start uh, or get the most reps? Do you think Marshawn Lloyd? I think he means Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm gonna say if Marshawn Lynch is available, I think he would he would start and get yeah, those reps. He's really good. I but. absolutely agree with that. Um, um, I think that the the job is going to be Marshawn Lloyd's to lose, and I think that it could be the transfer think, from South Carolina. People yes. like yeah. So I think ideally you want to bring him in and start off at least with kind of the two running back rotation that they had early in the season. Now my question is, do they then decide? game three or game four, like they did this past year with Travis Dye saying he's going to be our workhorse. He's doing a much better job and then go with him. Cause I think Marshawn Lloyd does a lot of the things that Travis Dye did. Um, you know, the big question will be with him and Austin Jones is who pass blocks can relieve Brown pass blocks. Someone's got to be able to pass block back there. Uh, it would to, you know, help out the offense or else might as well just motion a guy out or put a different, another receiver on the field. Uh, for third down situations if you, if one of those guys can't block. So I think that's going to be a big thing. So I think maybe you'll see a rotation as far as the down and distance, as well as maybe at the beginning of the season, you start out with both those guys getting the primary reps, and then you see who's producing more after that. Yeah. Interesting that you feel that it's Marshawn Lloyd's to lose. I'm actually on the Austin Jones train as if he is going to be the starter for this season, especially if you look back, if he plays – the way he did during that stretch after Travis Dye went down last two games, uh, not included. But I think Austin Jones certainly has the potential to be the guy going for 2023. And as far as the comparison, I, we've talked about this on uh, composite, but we feel like they're kind of similar running backs. Uh, Lynch, or sorry, now you got me all confused. Lloyd being uh, a little bit bigger, heavier at least, than uh, Austin Jones, but kind of similar style runners. They're similar, but also I think that Lloyd, when he's healthy, and that's a question for him, that's a big question for him, uh, how is he going to look when he comes back? Uh, you know, Is he fully healthy for USC? But he's similar to Austin Jones. He catches the ball in the backfield. He, you know, similar run styles like you guys talked about, but he's, he's heavier and he's more elusive. So, you know, if that's the combination, if you're a similar style, then, okay, I'm going to go with the bigger, stronger guy that's also more elusive. And that's why I think it's Lloyd's is the, is the front runner if he's healthy. And, again, it comes down to health there. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, I, had a, I had a Facebook question up and then uh, – Deleted it. I put the no blocky, no rocky thing up there. So I'll go find it. I'm sorry. I know there was some, another person from Facebook that uh, – that put a question in, but we'll we'll do another one from YouTube. 
let me put it up here. Uh, Harold, do you guys think this offensive line is better than last year's, and will the offensive line expose the defensive linemen this spring? Mm. I do think it's better than last year. I do think on paper it's better than last year, even though you're excuse me, losing two All-Americans and Brett Nealon and Andrew Voorhees. I know that's a weird sentence to say, but across the board, I think they're just better and they're going to be deeper this year. Even though you'll have some freshmen that you're hoping develop fast to to be kind of those brick and mortar guys in the two deep and you know for scout team and all that, but across the board, yeah, I think they're better and they're going to be better in 2023. The group is deeper, that's for sure. Um, you know, the fact that they can go potentially eight to ten deep rather than seven to eight deep is going to be is is huge because you saw the what the injuries amounted to for USC last year, but. That starting group, I think they've got a lot to prove before you can say that they're better than the starting group last year. You know, again, that's when healthy. But it, it, the group last year had been together for so long that that core of it, that you know, that's a that's a, such a huge thing for offensive line. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to look for in the spring, especially the spring game, is just how cohesive and how is that unit and how well do they work together when you throw in. Three new guys with Ethan White, Michael Tarquin. They actually they have a relationship. Obviously, you put Jared Kingston on one side, and then you have you know it's kind of like three segments. You have Justin Dedich and Jonah Monheimer know each other really well. You have Tarquin and Ethan White, and then you have Kingston. How do you get those three segments to come together? And then what are the other pieces that kind of fill in as well to to make it into a you know that melting pot of you know hopefully a group that can run the ball consistently and also protect Caleb Williams. Yeah. I found that uh, Facebook question. So it's from Mike. Uh, question is, uh, he's, well, it's more of a statement, I guess. He goes, I hope they leave Taka Curtis on defense. Uh, I heard they said he could also help as a running back. Please let him stay on defense and don't overload him. Literally, I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> okay. Well, you just did well, now. I, well, I don't know where that is coming from, where there's... That he played, I guess maybe because he played in high school? or Yeah, he's a really, really good athlete, played sort of a wildcat kind of quarterback. But no, no shot he moves to to uh, running back. He was recruited to be the guy at Mike Linebacker. He is not moving to running back. Yeah. Um, you got no callers? Uh, no callers right now, no. If you're going to call in, it's a 512 for tunnel you can call in bill says i heard andrew Voorhees is injured during the combine do you know what the injury he suffered and will it affect his draft stock probably yeah any, any injury you suffer will affect your draft stock and it's unfortunate it looks like it's a potentially serious injury oh, that's i mean it's good. complete speculation just looking at the clip of how he went down but potentially an achilles type of injury Ugh. um it's something you know just he's going through a drill and he goes to cut, and his foot just doesn't follow, basically, uh, at the same rate as the rest of his body. So, it it's it's it sucks to be honest. It just you know, our guy that's been Such through so dude. much, it came back to USC this past year when you know a lot of people were saying that he should probably go ahead and leave um, because of his age and everything else. And he performed once again and should have been a guy that would be drafted. Now. If he, you know, depending on the severity of the injury, if it is serious enough, then he probably will fall out of the draft and then someone will pick him up as undrafted free agent once he gets healthier and can prove that he's a healthy guy. So 
Uh, just It's just a, a crappy situation all the way around. For sure. Yeah, I just checked on social media to see if there's any you know people at the draft that had any update on the injury, but there doesn't seem to be any definite idea of what the injury was. Okay. Well, wish him the best. He's a great kid. Uh, hopefully it's not serious. Um, we got a question on Facebook from James. He says, uh, beyond what has already been done to shore up the defense, how much more needs to be done over the next year to be ready to compete for a Big Ten championship? Well, uh, I would go ahead, Chris. I was going to say more size on the interior, more athletes at on the defensive line in general. They need more size because you're going to Big Ten country. They're gonna they're gonna run it down your throat at times, and there's some big offensive lines over there. And you need it to get faster at the linebacker position. Guys that can go sideline to sideline. You need some guys that are short tacklers. That's why I think this linebacker class is going to be very, very important for them uh, for 2024 because that's going to really set the tone for more linebacker classes moving forward. So we've talked about it, but linebacker is going to be a key in this draft or excuse me, this class because you have some older guys that they're going to, you know, Shane Lee down to his last year, Eric Gentry. This could be his, his draft year moving forward. Mason Cobb, I think he has two years left, but, you know, I think – one good year here and he's gone. So you're looking at three older guys that could be moving on and you don't have a ton of depth behind them. You know, Tackett, Rajon, if he's around after this season, and then, you know, Garrison Madden is there. Yeah, you need some bodies to help you fill that transition as you build that linebacker room back up. And the other thing would just be, hey, can you get Caleb Williams to come back for another year? Because that <laughs> instantly puts you into a Big Ten championship contender. Yeah, because replacing him is going to be a big deal for USC, whether it be Miller Moss or it be Malachi Nelson. Um, you know, who can come in and fill those shoes for a Heisman Trophy winner and a guy who's going to be, you know, probably the front runner, if not the top three, at least, uh, you know, in Heisman odds going into the season. Very tough to, to, to go back to back, but, you know, he'll be in, in the in the window for sure. Shotgun, which one do you like better? Crash for Caleb or Crater for Caleb? <laughs> Uh, I think crash. I go with crash. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, collapse, collapse, for, collapse for Caleb. Collapse for Caleb. Good, yeah. Jamie on YouTube says thoughts on Sam Green coming in at two forty, uh, much less than expected. I and I'm not. I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into these weights. Like I don't. I mean, there could be a typo for all we know. I don't know. Um, but any, any thoughts on Sam Green? If you think he's really two forty, or if that's a concern. I mean, Sam Green's just a, a smaller dude. I'm just, you know, yeah, I'm trying to pull up his profile shotgun. Yeah. It's Chris, seeing him on the sideline, I was like, is, is that really a defensive lineman? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't look like it, but then you put him in pads and he plays like it. Look, you're looking at it. I know you're going to his profile right now and you're seeing 6'1", 265. I'll tell you right now, he wasn't 265. Okay. That wasn't the case. I saw, I seen him up close. He wasn't 265. He was probably at most 250. He's 245 to 245. I think that's what he is. Okay. He's a smaller defensive lineman. You know, if he were three inches taller and he was 265, 270, yeah, he'd be a five star all day. That's the kind of motor and intensity that he plays with. You know, that's not his game. His game is speed. You watch his tape, his get off is incredible. So that's where his – and I think that works better 
at the rush end spot for him because it just does. So we'll, I, it is interesting that he's starting out there. But, yeah, he, he wasn't. So don't look at it like he was 265 and he dropped 20 pounds. That's not the case. I'm telling you right now, he wasn't 265. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a couple more. Uh, Marvin on YouTube says, uh, who do you guys think will have a bigger impact this season, Damani or Zion? Zion. That one's tough. Uh, I really like Zion. I'm excited yeah. to see what he can do now that he's healthy. But I think Damani has a chance to, to win that uh, starting cornerback job. And if that happens, then you know I think that, that Zion's going to end up being at least in a rotation at best. Um, you know I just think there are going to be multiple guys that will play some safety alongside of Kalen Bullock. Well, there is the cornerback. You know, if you if you lock down a spot, you're in there for good. Yeah, no, that's a good. I mean, everyone. When I talked to uh, to Benny Wiley, I'd asked him about Taka Curtis and uh, about um, Zachariah Branch, and you know, he had talked about with Zachariah Branch just the kind of work ethic and the way they're in the weight, they hit the weight room with their father being the trainer and all that. He he brought up Zion as well, so um, I think people are pretty high on him. Um, I, it, he looked, he just looked really good when I saw him in Hawaii, uh, last year at the Polynesian bowl, you know, it's uh, the injury sucked, but, um, yeah, I, I could see him making a big impact, but to has been there a while I could see him, you know, he, he looks different too. He just looks like when you watch him, some of those workout videos, like he seems like he's, he's dialed in, uh, that's just my kind of gut feeling. I'm glad that, that uh, the USC fans haven't forgot about Zion because yeah. he is a you know he's a huge piece to the future of this defense. Um, you know just the way he moves, the fact that he's a sure tackler, he could be a guy that does come in and win a starting spot and changes, you know, some of those plays that were those giant plays in the Pac-12 championship and in the you know in the Cotton Bowl, you know the not tackling plays. He's a guy that could could run a guy down could be in the right spot, all those type of things that could change things for him. He was a guy that was potentially going to be in line to get playing time last year as a true freshman. Now with an extra year being in the weight room and whatnot, I think it's only – he's a guy that's going to be at least in the rotation. And But I think for both those guys, it's going to come down to health. you got to yeah. keep both of them healthy because both of them have been banged up, obviously, in their, their one year at USC. Zion could do all those things you mentioned, shotgun, and possibly cover a tight end. Yeah, which is good. Uh, SC Dad says, uh, aren't, isn't the Big 12 and the Big 10 and other conferences talking about eliminating the conference championship game? Sure, they're talking about There's it. There's talk about the, stuff, but. The, 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 this came up after the question of what is you know USC got to do to contend. There's still going to be a champion, even if there's not a conference championship game. Yeah. There still will be a champion, SC Dad. Um, but yeah, they may eliminate it because they may go to more conference games. You know, it depends on how these how it kind of shakes out these super conferences in the next few years. Um, you can see some more movement on that. You saw that, you know, pretty much every conference went to a championship game. Now we'll see if they all try to make changes to, to you know, kind of give their, their teams one less game um, and one less opportunity so that they can get multiple teams into the uh, playoff when there's, you know, when the playoff expands. Yeah. Uh, let's see. we got a couple more. Uh, Ramon on YouTube. What are the chances of Jordan Lockhart becoming a Trojan now that he decommitted from Ole Miss? If you I, think, got... I think it's a pretty good shot. I mean, USC has been recruiting him very, very hard. You want to give a quick update on who he is if people don't uh, know? Linebacker out of St. John Bosco going into his senior year, so 2024. That linebacker room at Bosco is are guys that USC would love to have 
in their linebacker room for next year. And Jordan Lockhart is one of those guys. Uh, they started recruiting him last spring. Uh, he was still committed to Ole Miss, and they've been putting the moves on him. They've been Brian Odom and that staff have been recruiting him very, very hard for this class. So yeah, I think there's a great shot now that he has uh, decommitted. I know Alabama's still in the mix. Uh, I think Texas A&M just offered him as well. So schools are going to come knocking for him, and he could have a big, big season. I think this will be the first year this year coming off that national championship at Bosco where he is going to be a full-time starter on his own. So he could have he could see his stock rise even more uh, going through the course of fall. Yeah. And don't uh, forget the family obviously knows USC really well. Not only is it just down the street, but his older brother Danny was a walk-on at USC for a couple of years before transferring to Ole Miss as Ole Miss tried to make a play for Jordan, the younger brother, um, bring in the older brother as a walk-on, you know, be able to get the older brother's commitment, which they or the younger brother's commitment, which they did. But now he's decommitted, so we'll see if USC is now back in the mix uh, for Jordan Lockhart there. Coach Boyle on uh, YouTube says, uh, one hour crew, hashtag one hour crew. Can we get two? We're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you better know what show you're on. This is, yeah, this is the not the show, yeah. <laughs> Plus, I'm looking at the ch- There's no chat revenue. So if you guys yeah, are he's like, not, you know, he's not one dono. He's like, nah. No donations like that. We don't want donations. It's fine. But um, just, yeah, th- it's so funny when they do the, the two star. You know, the composite two star recruits podcast, uh, when they do these live. Um, yeah, they could do four hours. We're not, we're not, uh, equipped for that here. We're built a little different on this show. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, a little more production stuff going into it, but that's cool. Hey, hey, hey. hey. No offense. <laughs> um, we got Nate. Ha- yeah, Nate has one, and uh, we'll probably end it out with this. Uh, on the pod, Ryan kept saying USC should play. Uh, Ohio State every year. Why would the Big Twelve, a uh, Big Ten? Why well, do I keep saying Big Twelve? Why would the Big Ten put all the blue bloods in the same pod? Ohio State has uh, Michigan as their big rival. Seems unfair to make them play both every year. And I don't think there's going to be pods. I think it'll be like that three six six thing. Um, my opinion is that you don't bring USC into the. You don't bring a blue blood like USC into a blue blood conference with Ohio state and not have them play. Like that's what you want. That's what Fox wants. They want USC and Ohio state to play. And my theory is the fact that 2024 Ohio state canceled their trip to uh, Seattle to play Washington because they know they were going to already be on the West coast playing USC in year one uh, in the Coliseum. That's my thought. Um, I know there's a lot of other people thinking that here's the other people that, you know, here's the programs that USC should play. But I think, you're doing this for one reason. You're getting more marquee games. I'm not avoiding them. I want to get more of them. And USC and Ohio State can play each other every year, and both of them can still make the playoff in the expanded playoff. So that's just my thoughts. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. but I mean, I'll defer to Shotgun. We, I, we and I, You and I talked about it. We discussed that, it a lot, yeah, on the pod. Uh, is there a reason why Michigan uh, canceled this game with UCLA then? Because uh, it knew that it was going to play them in the future? Like, uh, just because you cancel a game doesn't mean uh, that you have some secret plans. It's because oh, they're secret you're plans. scared. You're scared. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're scared. You don't want to play tough teams all the time when you can go play Akron or Toledo. Um, so why would they play those type of games? Uh, we'll see how it kind of plays out. I think, the, and it depends on the new Big Ten commissioner. You know, yeah, what, what kind of waves yeah. does he want to make? You know, Kevin Warren was – positioning everything to build the conference. He was positioning it to get as many teams as possible in the conference. 
if you don't get the right commissioner, then you end up with a ton of rivalry games and no teams in the playoff, or you end up with, you know, you end up with different things. And, you know, us, the, the PAC 12 can tell you, if you don't have the right commissioner, things go bad really quickly. So we'll see what the big 10 does there. I, I don't think it, I don't think that they should be rivals in that regard that they play every single year, just because USC already has that Midwest rivalry with Notre Dame. So unless you're kicking that away, you're already playing uh, UCLA every year, you know, the, adding a third true blue blood um, type of rivalry, not to say that UCLA is the true blue blood, but uh, adding yeah. one like that, that's it basically becomes murderer's row on your schedule. You can't schedule any non-conference hard games ever again outside of Notre Dame. Like you can't play Texas or go to the SEC or do anything like that. Cause you're already going to play Notre Dame every single year. You're already going to play, you know, Ohio state every year, plus the two or three other good teams that you play along the schedule. You don't want to load up your schedule like that. So if I'm USC, I don't want that to be the case. You want that to be the special big occasion. And hopefully it's not every six or eight years or whatever the hell it is in the SEC that some teams don't play yeah. each other. You want it to be every, you know, every two years, every four years, um, you know, a team is coming to you. And if that's the case, then I don't think that's a big deal. If it's every other year that you're playing and every four years uh, that a team is coming to your home site, I think you're, you can be perfectly happy with that. Especially if you're USC, it's like, okay, you got Michigan one year, you got Ohio State the next year, and then it's flip-flop along the way. You know, you feel like, okay, you're, you're playing a tough blue blood every year uh, rather than it being like, all right, you got Ohio State and you might get Michigan and you might get Penn State and you might get, you know, a good, random, randomly good Purdue team or whatever. And, like, suddenly you got an absolute murderer's row of your schedule, so making a playoff becomes that much more difficult. USA opens against LSU. In 2024, too. So you got Notre Dame, LSU. You probably have. I'm guessing Ohio State. That's what I'm calling. It's gonna be awesome. Like you want, but you can lose like two or three games and still make the playoff. That's what's great. Like if you play all those teams, it's like if you're looking at you know for your basketball stuff, shoddy, right? Like they're talking about the Big 12. Everybody making the tournament because it's such a like. There's so many quad one wins throughout that. So if USC lost to like LSU and Ohio State, but like beat the hell out of uh, Notre Dame and Michigan or whatever, all these other teams, you're like, you're probably still going to be making the playoffs, you know, or you're, you're, you know, so I, I feel like that's kind of not going to be the same because it's so much more the eye test in football. It's going to be the conversation in the college football playoff rankings every week, you know, and you have a four beside your name, a four loss because you played a ridiculous schedule. It's not going to matter. You're not going to get in. Yeah, not four losses, but I mean, you can do two or three. We've never seen that before. Well, that's like, what you're talking about with the Big 12 because they're talking about a team like West Virginia with like 13 losses, 14 losses getting into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Because well, they played a tough team this many times. It's not going to matter in college football because you're going to see one number and if it's a 3 or 4, you're like, "Hmm. The 3 might work." I don't so care. We'll I don't care if they played the you know Ohio State 01, the 0102 Miami team, the Ohio State team with Maurice Claret. I don't care if they lined up the greatest teams ever. If you got three or four losses, everyone's going to look at it and be like, well, they lost three or four times. They yeah. shouldn't be in the – it's going to be just like, you know, and the, the, the argument would be just like the SEC says, well, we played such a tough schedule besides that McNeese State, the game that we threw in in the middle of November. We played so hard of a schedule that we should be in. All the teams we played were ranked. Well, those, because all your preseason rankings are bullshit and the SEC has eight teams ranked and Mississippi State's ranked and they're terrible and still get thrown in. But that's what they can say. So that's going to be the argument. And everyone kind of rails against the SEC every year, right? Outside the SEC says, no, you can't get in with three losses. What are you talking about? You can't get to a 14 playoff. But 
That's where you're going to see. Teams are going to have three or four losses. They're like, well, we played a lot of tough teams. Yeah, but I think you're going to benefit if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, that three or four loss team. Like, you're not, it's not going to help you if you're in the Pac 10 or the Big 12 or whatever. But even like Alabama, they had two close losses and they were still like trying to get in there, but they're at number six. I mean, I, when it's a 12 team and you have that schedule and USC's like nine and three, like, I don't think the playoffs are out of the, the question if you play that kind of crazy schedule. No, they're not out of the question, but also the difference in basketball versus football is there's not really like a RPI or net ranking. Now, no. maybe that gets developed along the way, but it's there's such smaller amount of games that you don't really use that, and people have railed kind of against the computer ratings and all that stuff. So unless that comes in and becomes a big factor, I mean, the, the net ranking is the NCAA's evaluation tool. That's what NET stands for. The NCAA created this to help them do that. I don't know that the you know the uh, bowl committee is going to develop a BCS a bowl committee selection tool to help them out uh, with this thing going forward. Full so circle. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, Brian said it's awesome to have you all back. Let's go. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to be back. We appreciate that. Uh, I know we had. Uh, one phone caller. We'll hopefully get some more callers in there. I'd love taking calls. It's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, all the, the comments on Facebook and YouTube, that's great. And uh, anyone watching on Twitter, we appreciate that as well. Or if you're watching the replay or even listen to the podcast version. Um, so, yeah, oh, Zombie saying, oh, wait, hold on. Let me pull this up here. Uh, breaking news. Bronny James received a crystal ball to USC. I did not see that. Was that, was that out there? Is that... I haven't seen that, but don't believe any crystal ball on Bronny James. Uh, you know, from the sources I've talked to, if you read the war room a couple weeks ago, they're going to make their decision and it's going to be their decision. You know, it's not, there's not going to be a, unless someone has an in with LeBron or uh, Savannah, the, the mother, then probably not going to know exactly what that, uh, that decision is going to be. Yeah. Speaking of basketball, Ryan, a basketball minute, basketball oh, okay. team. Got a big win yesterday against Arizona State. Should put them in the NCAA tournament. Should be enough to get them in uh, as long as they don't lose to Oregon State again in the, the Pac-12 tournament, which is a, you know, they'll play the winner of Arizona State, who they just beat, and Oregon State on Thursday. Ryan and I will be there as well as Adam to, to cover. Adam Jasper has been doing a great job for us throughout the season covering the team. Uh, so we'll be there for that if they win that. Likely match up again with Arizona, who USC does not match up really well with. But one more win would definitely get them in. It could bump them up the seeding ranks. So we'll see there. They got to get healthy. That was a big thing yesterday. Uh, Drew Peterson playing with a through a back injury, uh, and Vinci Wachuku was out. And on the baseball side, they just lost to UCLA. I had it on uh, above me. They scored two runs in the ninth and had the tie run on base, but couldn't get the big hit at the end of it. So we'll see uh, how the baseball team continues to progress. Made some strides this week. They've got to get a little bit better pitching. But Austin O'Vern, we mentioned him earlier, but he leads the nation in triples right now. I think he had his seventh today. Basically, if he hits the ball in the gap, he's going for three every single time. He's got the wheels to do it. Showing you, you know, what kind of walk-on uh, 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 ability the, the football team has right now with, with Austin O'Vern. Now, no, he will not be able to play on the football team. He didn't play this past year on any special teams or anything. He won't play next year either because if they do, they would have to put him on football, football scholarship. scholarship yeah. on a baseball scholarship. That's just the way the NCAA rules work. So we'll see if by his junior year, if he's doing so well in baseball that he has to give up football or 
if suddenly he's a guy that maybe they want to get in the mix with a Zachariah Branch. You know, Austin O'Vern's a guy that even as a walk-on was making his way into some of those highlight clips last year from practices and camp stuff. So uh, that usually tells you that you're you're making some big time plays and making some guys miss that are on scholarship. So yeah. Always great to hear from the world's greatest USC basketball writer, Shotgun Spratling. He'll be back in SoCal very soon. Yeah. Adam does a great job, though, our intern. He's a, a student over at USC, so we appreciate him going out there, being out at all the games and everything. I covered the uh, UCLA game at Pauly with him, so that was uh, that was kind of fun um, doing that. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. We appreciate everyone coming in there. We had hundreds of people in the uh, – in the live chat and everything. So thank you guys all for, uh, for coming in there and doing that. Chris always, Chris doesn't like, sometimes I grab these screenshots. It's not easy to get a good screenshot. Everyone look at the camera and give a big smile, whatever you want the screenshot to be. <laughs> Chris, that's like not what you're doing there. Um, so, okay. If you don't like it, that's what we'll, I'll try to grab the screenshot. From I like there. this idea of posing our screenshots. You like that? Doing something. It's not easy, like just to find one. Like if if I have my eyes closed and you're like smiling, or like I'm like oh, like I have oh, I have a good face on, and then Chris is like shotgun, not even looking shotgun seen it. How he went like on a run of like just bad screenshots of me. Then again, every screenshot of me is bad. No, but it's good. We we had a good post. We did the DAP one uh, on our podcast uh, last week. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, but this was great. It was good to be back. Um, some people want the earlier time. I don't know. Would you guys want to do 5 p.m. instead of 7? Let us know in Who the chat. Who said that? There's people that were saying, like, people on the Two East Coast. People. Even Shotgun is on the East Coast. Um, it's probably easier for him. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. But we would love to get the this, this show, like, the regular Tunnel Vision back again. I know we've been doing more live uh, videos during the Peristyle podcast, and we've even done a couple uh, – composite two-star recruit podcast uh live as well but so they're they're we're putting stuff up in the youtube channel but this is the one we love doing uh this kind of started it all so um we're gonna make sure this keeps rolling throughout spring football but uh appreciate you chris and shotgun everyone jumping in and uh and joining us which is uh, it's always great uh to be out here and um Talking USC football on tunnel vision we have a lot of fun with it and i hope you guys did too so for chris trevino Shotgun Spratling, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.